welcome to Macintosh Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched the 1976 Oscars. It's the 48th Academy Awards. Live, the 48th Annual Academy Awards presentation. This is the plaza of the Music Center in Los Angeles, California. Featuring a cavalcade of stars in sunny Los Angeles, California. Oh, wow. Remember when we watched the 67 Oscars a year ago and we were like, ooh, this is fun. It was charming. I mean, it's Bob Hope. You can't really go wrong with Bob Hope, problematic stuff aside. But like, they did this thing that we strongly encourage them to continue to do, which was the, like, we have a master of ceremonies, but not so much a host host. And it worked out great. Like, so you had the one person who, like, you could do these little bits, and you came out, you got to talk about your movie that you were there to represent or your studio, whatever. And it was cute, and it was fun. And Bob Hope's job was to be Bob Hope and to set these people up. Yep. To make them look good, which is not hard to do when you're Bob Hope. It's And this is Hollywood. Everybody wants to make everybody look good. That's the thing about the Oscars. The whole point is to make everybody look good. And and we love that fact of like, you don't need a host proper. You need somebody who can be funny you need and intro all your people. Who can do that. And also, it's it's nice to have somebody who can get away with poking fun at these people. Just a little bit. Yeah. So it's a comedian. A comedian's great. It, they just they haven't, they haven't figured that out. We need to go back to that. This, on the other hand, <laughs> was, was not that. <laughs> and so it was horrible. We will talk about the introduction to this and some of the highlights in the presentations. Highlights? But I will tell you, this is one of the most boring Oscar ceremonies I've ever fucking seen. You can see the people in the rumor board. Just like, like uh... even even now, you can see that they're bored because a lot of these people don't want to be there. The ladies spent eight hours getting ready. And now they have to sit there in an uncomfortable dress to not win. Uh-huh, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's that's their job now. Well, and like the fact is we only see what's on camera. We don't see in between where there's a whole bunch of other bullshit going on. I know. It's just it's just ridiculous. But even more so. <laughs> We've watched all the movies. So it's time to talk about the actual awards. It is. And we are going to go through all the awards that affect... The films that we've watched Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Okay. So first up, let's get a little facts and trivia on the ceremony. This happened on Monday, March 29th, 1976. It was held at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles. We have a cavalcade of hosts this time, but we have no MC. Okay. We go in segments for some reason, which is what we had here. We've done segments before, and some of those segments were cool. Fair, but it's Walter Matthau. Yeah. Being curmudgeon Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. Robert Shaw, weird pick here because he's definitely drunk. I don't know. George Siegel and Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. who I have to assume, we only got to see like two bits from them. Yeah. But had we seen all of the bits they did, probably entertaining. Mm-hmm. They were the best duo of the night because Goldie's doing her old laugh-in bit. Yes, she is. And it works. It works because she's great at it. And then Gene Kelly takes over the big awards at the end, which you know what? Great. Love it. When we get to the serious portion of the evening, bring me a guy like Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. 
The big thing for this ceremony is that ABC is taking over the broadcast rights from NBC. Mm-hmm. This is a huge shift. And to counter this, NBC was airing the NCAA men's basketball tournament, the final, opposite the Oscars. Mm -hmm. That comes up later. Okay. In a joke. Oh, okay. So we'll mention that when we get there, but that is one little keynote there. Talking about our films, I'm going to give you the nominations count for the movies we've got so far. Okay. At the head of the pack above everybody with nine nominations, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm Mm-hmm. Seven for Barry Lyndon. Technical awards. (laughs) Like, Barry Lyndon is not a good movie. No. But technically, looked so gorgeous. Like, I get it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Dog Day Afternoon comes in at six. Okay. Funny Lady and Nashville come in at five. Mm Mm-hmm. We have Jaws, The Man Who Would Be King, Shampoo, and The Sunshine Boys at four. Okay. We're adding Jaws to this list because we talked about it with our Spielberg series. Mm -hmm. And finally, The Day of the Locust only has two nominations. Okay, when I'm mad at you for making me watch that. Yeah, I know. We're all mad about watching it. But hey, we're past it now. Are we though? Well, let's talk about something we're even more mad about, which is the introduction to this fucking Oscars. I, yeah... Yeah. So, get out that old tuxedo. Get out that gown that you know will knock me dead. And head on down to the Academy Awards where Hollywood honors its own. Want to see you here when they light the spotlight. They pre recorded this, by the way. Yeah. They could have edited any of this at any moment. So first of all, I have to bring up right off the bat that we talk about our presenters of the evening and O.J. Simpson is on the list. Gross. Wowie zowie. Of course. I mean, this is back when O.J. was O.J. I know. But still, it's a bit wild to see that. But more importantly, Ray Bolger, the Scarecrow, deserves so much better from everyone involved in this. He does. It's just unfortunate. They did this whole song and dance, and they did it outside the pavilion. Okay, look, not the worst idea conceptually. Mm -hmm. We could have a lot of fun with this if we did this now. Yeah. Bring somebody older who can do a song and dance routine. Oh, give me a Danny DeVito. This is the same of bringing in, like, Liza Minnelli. Like, you know, she's going to do a little song or dance, because that's what she's going to do, and that's okay. She's a historic figure in the biz. That's fine. And you treat her with respect. Same thing with Ray Bolger. But it's like... There is no production for this whatsoever. They do wide shots where you cannot even see him. Yeah. It's so weird. (laughs) Some of it is the limitations of television in the 1970s. Sure. Which I get. But then know your fucking limitations Mm -hmm. and don't do that. Why would you set up this grand thing where you can't actually control the filming of it? I know. When you have to just pan out and do a wide shot and nobody can fucking see it. I mean, we're watching this on YouTube. Yeah. I can only imagine what it looked like on a tube TV in an American household in 1976. Yep. Garbage. Why didn't they just do it in the theater? It it was bad. (sighs) Other things I noticed here, uh, Jack's got his sunglasses already. He's already got his sunglass image going. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Consistency. I'm proud of you for that. I mean, he he hooked on a look and that was it. 
It's a good look. It looks it looks great. It also looks really good on him at that point when he's still Oh, sure. When he's still not like old Jack Nicholson. The diamond art pieces are a lot. Mhm. It looks like a cheap ass high school set. It does not look well constructed at all. No. It it, <laughs> it really doesn't. It it looks like they slapped it all together at the last minute and it's just bad. Mhm. So that's not how to intro the Oscars. And then we bring on Walter Mirisch to do the the governor's speech, which I think it's interesting that now it's some like corporate show, but for the longest time, it was actually people in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, 67, it was Gregory Peck. And Walter Mirisch is a legendary producer and film dude. And then Walter Matthau kicks us off. You no, know, the original plan for this evening called for me to do that Ray Bolger dance number. I was to come by balloon, descend by parachute, join the dancers, sing two choruses, make my entrance onto this stage with a Nijinsky-type leap, or a Nureyev-type leap, if you will. We had to change that plan when I came down with a severe case of panic. As a result, you have just seen an ancient show business myth come true. My understudy, Ray Bolger, went on in my place and a star is born. I don't mind. I mean, he's a nice kid and, well, there's room for all of us. It's it, Walter Matthau. It does. Only he can make that joke. Yes, he can. <laughs> and that finally gets us to our awards because the whole debacle 15 minutes start of this thing is just terrible. Mm-hmm. And doesn't get a whole lot better. Though We get some wild ass moments. We're going to start with Best Supporting Actress and presenting are Madeline Kahn and Joel Grey. I lo- I second I saw him, I was like, it's Joel Grey. adore him. They do a very funny bit about the winner being the in the envelope. Mm-hmm. Madeline Kahn, genius as ever. Of course. And our nominees are Ronnie Blakely from Nashville, mm-hmm. Sylvia Miles from Farewell My Lovely, Brenda Vaccaro from Jacqueline Suzanne's Once Is Not Enough, Lily Tomlin from Nashville, in a tiara and boa. She looks so adorable. <laughs> like, she is a queen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. She just showed up to the Oscars in a fucking tiara and gown and was like, I am the princess this evening and I'm going to be the princess. Yep. I love it. But our winner is Lee Grant for shampoo. Yep. And then she made a joke about her dress, which I, as she was walking up, I was like, she looks like she's wearing a wedding gown. And then she makes a comment about, yeah, I wore a wedding gown. Wore an old wedding dress. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Also, got to say, all these acceptance speeches, real short. Like it. Real short. I'm into it. Even the ones with good bits. I don't know how I feel about this. Here's the thing. Two of these we don't know anything about. True. I mean, I would have picked Lily Tomlin any day for her outfit alone. Both of those were strong entries, though. Lee Grant was one of the few shining moments in Shampoo. I, I don't I don't disagree. And yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. We get Best Sound with Roy Scheider and Margot Hemingway. Now, mm-hmm. Roy Scheider looks like he belongs there. Margot Hemingway was a model and the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. She barely can speak for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it. But Roy is just super on the ball. Yeah. Weird pairing. Anyway, for sound, we had Bite the Bullet, Funny Lady, The Hindenburg, The Wind and the Lion, and Jaws 1. Which, you know what? With all the shit that they had to do with that shark. Yep. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Now, I will say, 
the one cool note out of this is that they get the sound effects mixer up mm -hmm. there with the award and he makes the point to say that this is the first time that mixers are being acknowledged through mm -hmm. the academy yeah so this is a kind of a big moment for the yeah. sound guys Next up, we have art direction with a very young Anthony Hopkins and Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, that was really unsettling. They are both very attractive young actors in 1976. It was it was just very off-putting how young they were. <laughs> Nominated were The Hindenburg, The Man Who Would Be King, Shampoo, The Sunshine Boys, and winning Barry Lyndon. That was going to happen. I would have preferred it. Honestly, I would have preferred it to be The Man Who Would Be King, but... I knew it was going to be Barry Lyndon. Also, I got to say, Sunshine Boys, as one of the art decoration movies, it was a really good decoration, especially that apartment. Like, this is where I get into my push-pull of like, okay, what was historically accurate versus what did you have to create purely from your imagination? Which one takes more skill? But then I also think about Barry Lyndon. I was like, you didn't create shit. No, you found locations. You filmed in locations and just didn't ruin it. So it's it's also that. So I'm kind of just like, what? Let me but I'm never going to be mad at Ken Adam because Ken Adam created all those wonderful Bond sets. And um, so, you Ken know. Ken Adam does what he does well. He's so good. It's fine. Costume, we get Telly Savalas and Jennifer O'Neill in the weirdest Robert Shaw drunk introduction. It was so bizarre. Robert Shaw was so drunk. And we talked about him being an alcoholic in Jaws, but like... It, it was weird. He was clearly... Hmm. Anyway, Telly Savalas does an amazing job being Telly Savalas. Mm -hmm. And then we present the costumes. Mm -hmm. Which, I was not expecting this. Okay. But this is fabulous. So let me start with this. Showing us actors in a tableau in the costumes. Great. Great idea. I think I've seen them do it before in more recent years. They've they've done this before where they've had a tableau of some sort of actors in models in costume. Typically what they do is they show a picture of whatever the designer sketches along with the final costume piece in yeah. the film. We might even get a few of the pictures of like the fittings yeah. of, of uh, depending on like the piece. Like I, I think I remember for like Elizabeth, we had the sketch, a fitting, and then like the, what the outfit, the same outfit looked like in the film. Especially when you have really intricate costumes. Sure. Like yeah. Sure. So this time <laughs> they had all of the films that were nominated on this stage. On a turntable. On, on this, on, well, on this very oddly constructed with multi-level platform. I'm going to call it a splat. It was a splat. It, it was a multi-level splat. And so uh, all the films were represented. And as they talked about each one, the stage rotated and each scene did a little boogie <laughs> because they played like jazz music to go with it. They, but go with it is a relative term. They did their thing with the scene and then they all did a little go-go dance. Yep. And I was a confuse. I was a very confuse. David was a confuse. My mouth just was wide open the entire time. I was like, we really fucking we, did that, huh? They, they did that thing. They did the thing. It is the most 1970s thing I've ever seen. It was very entertaining. I was not <laughs> expecting that. And I enjoyed it. If there's one segment of this Oscars I could actually recommend you watch, it's that. Because yes. holy shit, is it weird? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the actual nominees. We had The Four Musketeers, Funny Lady, 
which I forget that Bob Mackie was designing those gowns. Yep. The magic flute, Edith Head doing The Man Who Would Be King, but none of them win. It's Barry Lyndon. Which, sure, very expected, but that's not the part that was so surprising. Then our designer, one of our designers, there are two, she comes up in full Barry Lyndon costume. Yep. Now again, this is not completely unheard of. Here's the thing. Costume designers, they're weird. That's <laughs> they're not, so weird. That's not a slight against them. They tend to be a little eccentric, particularly with the way they dress. And this is it is very normal for us to see a very unusually dressed person at the Oscars accepting a costume award. So like this was like, this makes sense. What I loved is that when she came on stage, she bowed. It was precious. She bowed to Jennifer O'Neill, and Jennifer O'Neill, graciously not knowing what the hell to do, accepted the bow. I was so into this. No, I was <laughs> I was all about it. It was pretty cool. I won't lie. It was weird, but when you made the point, that was like, we've seen costume designers be weird every time at the Oscars. I was like, you know, you're right. You're not wrong. Yeah, this is not a big deal. Yeah. Whew. That was the most entertainment we really got for the evening. <laughs> pretty much. We do have a handful of good speeches later, though. Mm -hmm. So we next get Best Supporting Actor with the Western legend Ben Johnson and Linda Blair. It was Linda Blair who I was just like, who is that? Why don't I recognize? I know who she is, but I don't know who she is. And you're like, it's Linda Blair. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't recognize her without all the stuff on her face. So our nominees are Brad Dourif for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mm -hmm. with a giant afro. I guess he played Billy Bibbit and was like, okay, let's let it grow out. Burgess Meredith for The Day of the Locust. Mm -hmm. Chris Sarandon for Dog Day Afternoon. Mm -hmm. Jack Warden for Shampoo. This was a great category, y'all. It was hard. All of these performances were good, and some of them in really terrible movies. Uh -huh. But the winner, George Burns mm -hmm. for The Sunshine Boys. I was so, like, I... I knew about that one, but I was so happy for it because I was just like, yeah, that really was like one of the best performances. Like if it wasn't him, I wanted to go to Burgess Meredith. Honestly, I would have given it to to Billy Bibbit early on. I really would have. Those other two gave such great performances. Here's the thing. That category was fucking hard. It's really hard. It was really fucking hard. But George Burns takes the award. He is the oldest acting award winner at that time. At that time, yes. He was 80 years old. He was also the last person born in the 19th century to receive an acting award at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Gives a wonderful, funny little speech. You know, I've been, I've been in show business all of my life, and I've loved every minute of it. And being honored tonight by getting this award proves one thing, that if you stay in the business long enough, <laughs> and if you can get to be old enough, you get to be new again. Mm-hmm. Aww. Love that. Sweet little old man winning an Oscar. And he was as shocked as anyone. We talked about this with, with the thing. This was basically one of the biggest show business comebacks in history. Yep. He had not done... He, he says it on stage. He hadn't done films in 40 plus years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a film every 36 37 years. years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm here for it. We next get our music awards from Rod McEwen and Marlo Thomas, a very young Marlo Thomas, who you will see in all those St. Jude mm -hmm. commercials in front of movies. So for best original score, our nominations are Birds Do It, Bees Do It, Bite the Bullet, 
one flew over the cuckoo's nest, the wind and the lion, and the winner, John Williams for Jaws. This is, I believe, his first Oscar. Yes. And guess what? He has to come up from the orchestra pit. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this one. We we talked about this one when we did Jaws. And yeah, I had already I had seen this clip before because it's just so funny and it's cute. You know, the conductor has to leave. He's like, I'm at work. <laughs> I got to go get my award. I'm going back to work. It's just, it's very cute. And the same thing happened in 67. Going Leonard Bernstein had to run up from the orchestra pit. Yeah. No, it's happened a few times. And uh, it's just precious. He gives this lovely, sweet little speech about Dixonuck and Spielberg and just getting the chance to do something he never thought he'd get to do. Yeah. And then he went on to win every fucking oh. Oscar ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's the guy. I feel like he's permabanned at this point. Like, it's like, you can't win another one. You and Meryl, you're you're just seat fillers. That's all you're here for. You're a seat filler. That's it. That's it. You can keep working. You can collect your benefits, but you are a filler and that's it. (laughs) Goodbye. Jack Nicholson stopped coming a long time ago. He knew I'm not allowed to win anymore. I'm done. He's (laughs) retired. Well, it was after uh, As Good As It Gets. Like, that's okay with me. I've got one for every decade. (laughs) That was Robin Williams' joke about him. Jack Nicholson's amazing. Uh, we get to best song score adaptation mm. because that is still a thing we have at this point. Yep. So our nominees are Funny Lady, mm-hmm. Boo, Tommy, nominated for Peter Townsend, <laughs> which I was like, what? That's not your name. Oh, fuck off. Pete Townsend, people. Peter. Peter. <laughs> that was so fucking weird. That was funny. But the winner was Leonard Roseman for Barry Lyndon. And I gotta say, if you were gonna give Barry Lyndon anything other than cinematography, give it the song score. I love his speech where he gives recognition to Mozart, Vivaldi, sure, and he Bach, has to. And Handel, because he's like, look, they they made those pieces of art. We just orchestrated them. They are some of the best sure. orchestrations of those pieces out there. But I, I it's really well earned because one of the few things that I still appreciate about that movie is how the music works for the movie. It really does. Nah. <laughs> also, those other two are not good movies either. Correct. Next up, we get Best Cinematography and we get Stockard Channing and Billy D. Williams. They looked so, like, they came like, they looked like they came from a swingers party or something. <laughs> like, they looked both very cool and very high. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. I love them both. They're both wonderful. So we have nominated The Day of the Locust, Funny Lady, The Hindenburg, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and the winner, John Alcott for Barry Linden. This is all about the lenses and the... Here's my thing, though. Which of these other movies would you think about giving it to? Because you can't do... Cuckoo's Nest, because the cinematography isn't what's good about that movie. It's the editing. Yes, I agreed, but I lost. The Day of the Locust. No. But the look of that movie is really interesting. And it's Conrad Hall, who we know is amazing. That's why it was nominated. I mean, honestly, I'd give it it to Cuckoo's Nest before I'd give it to Linden. Wow. I don't know. It's still one of the few things about that movie I'm okay with. Here's the thing. They made choices. All right, for best editing, we have Isabel Ajani and Elliot Gould being so Elliot Gould. 
Yep. He's such hot shit and he knows it. He is hot shit and he should know it. I love that man. I love Elliot Gould so much. So much. It's Ross's dad. This is where we refer back to the NCAA championship note. Yes. When they announced the winner, Elliot Gould, before they can say who it is, says, And the winner is... Indiana, 86-68. And a slow wave of laughter rolls over the audience as they realize what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Because he's making a joke about the championship game. I was like, you know what? Good on you, Elliot Gould. Nominated for Best Editing are Dog Day Afternoon, The Man Who Would Be King, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Three Days of the Condor, The Winner, Verna Fields from Jaws. Yep. We talked about her at the time. Mm -hmm. Spielberg later kind of threw her under the bus. Well, Spielberg is a douche. Not publicly, but he still did throw her under the bus. Yeah, well. And she made that movie. She did. She did. She totally made that movie. She totally made that movie. And she earned that Oscar. 100 fucking percent. Like, like, I don't care. I'm sure Spielberg walked into that office, was like, here's a pile of really shitty shots of a a shark. Can you make it something? Yeah. (laughs) And she went, yeah, I can do that. Wait, like, he's a producer. That's what he's good at. He's a great problem solver. That's what he's good at. That's it. Yeah. We get to Best Original Song. Now, there were apparently performances of all these songs, but they were not included in the YouTube videos that we had. So we oh, only darn. We only saw the nominations. Burt Bacharach and Angie Dickinson are our presenters for this, mm-hmm. both looking the most Hollywood any two people can look. Fair. So nominated are How Lucky Can You Get from Funny Lady, Now That We Are In Love from a film called Whiffs. Whiffs? <laughs> yeah. Like, get a whiff of this? <laughs> Elliot Gould was in it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I have no idea. Richard's Window from The Other Side of the Mountain. And theme from Mahogany, Do You Know Where You're Going To from Mahogany. As a film starring Diana Ross and produced by Barry Gordy. Okay. So I understand why it got nominated for Best Song. But the winner, and definitely surprised about this, is I'm Easy by Keith Carradine. <laughs> So I remember when we watched that movie, I knew after we saw that scene, I was like, that's the song that got nominated from this movie. Yeah. Because it's performed and filmed the best of anything in that film. I am a little surprised that it won, but it's better. (laughs) Like, it's absurd, but it's better. And it just cracks me up that Keith Carradine has an Oscar. For best original song. song. Yeah, he's surprised about it, too. True, you can tell. And (laughs) that, I think, is the thing that is the most fun about Oscars, is seeing people who are genuinely excited and just happy to be there, be floored. But really, any award show, seeing people who are like, this should never have happened. My life is so stupid. I can't (laughs) believe I'm here. That's what's fun. It's fun to see those, those acceptance speeches, the ones that are really measured, and whatever is just like fuck off. I don't care. This is, I'm not, I'm not, this is not interesting. And Nashville was like probably the highest critically regarded film of the year. Yeah, we talked about why. But I'm sure he was like, I should be here for acting or something else, but song. Like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm just enjoying it. So he's got huge smiles the whole time. He gives this lovely speech and he thanks his dad, who is in the audience. Mm-hmm. We get to see a little fade out to that, which is very nice. Sweet. 
Next, we get Best Director. And mm-hmm. this is when I think Gene Kelly takes over, which is yeah. like, oh, thank God. Thank mm-hmm. God. Someone with some stage presence. Woo. And we get Diane Keaton mm-hmm. and William Wyler. Diane Keaton is already rocking the suit look. And you know what? It's iconic. We have nominated Federico Fellini for Amarcord. The one little fun note here with Amarcord, this was the last movie to be nominated in two separate years of the Academy Awards. It had been released internationally the year before, and then it was nominated in other categories in 1976 for the Oscars as well. Okay. Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon. He, of course, is also not there. Nope. Never goes. Sydney Lumet for Dog Day Afternoon, who wonderfully looks at the camera and doesn't even know he's doing this, but just shaking his head because he knows he doesn't have a chance in hell. He's like, this is not my night. (laughs) Not my night. I'm just required to be here. Robert Altman for Nashville, who has the best poker face. Yep. He was completely solid. He also knew I'm not winning this. He doesn't care either. (laughs) No. And the winner, Milos Forman for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Y'all, you're about to hear us say that so many fucking times because yep. you know what's coming. Yep. Milos gets up there and is kind of an asshole. Yeah. Won't lie. The one thing I got out of this, though, he's a bit brusque, but the one cool thing he says, he was like, I'm so happy to be in a country where I can just make a movie mm. that says something good. Yep. Because I didn't get to do that in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> we get Gore Vidal. Being the biggest blowhard mm-hmm. during the writing awards. They brought Gorvidal. Like, he's not going to not do his Gorvidal thing. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. For original screenplay, we have Amar Kord, And now my love, Lies My Father Told Me, Shampoo, and the winner, Frank Pearson for Dog Day Afternoon. If you're going to give me an original screenplay, give me that. Although, weirdly... This isn't really an original screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's based off of an article. Mm. Eh. Maybe it was just that there was so little ori- like adapted material there that it didn't qualify as an adapted screenplay, but it is just like, eh. still, out of that group, I'm going to go with Dog Day Afternoon any day of the week. For adapted screenplay, Barry Lyndon, The Man Who Would Be King, Scent of a Woman, the 1974 Italian version, The Sunshine Boys, and the winner, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. This is a really good point where we start to ask some questions. Mm -hmm. Is The Sunshine Boys a better script? (sighs) That's the only one I would put ahead of it. Yes. Or the Um, only one I would say competes with Cuckoo's Nest. Well, I mean, it's an adapted work, so that also changes things a little bit, too. It's such a wildly different adaptation of that book. Well, and it's true, but it's also a wildly different story. And they're doing completely different things and telling completely different stories. But they're doing them very, very well. I mean, I put Sunshine Boys, I mean, I le- legit put Sunshine Boys up against One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. And like, legit, those performances, those two guys are better than most of the guys in Cuckoo's Nest. Whoa, okay. Like, I mean, they were both nominated against them. That's fair. I mean, the voters voted, but <sighs> I think the sum of the parts of Sunshine Boys is better than the sum of the parts of Cuckoo's Nest mm. when all is said and done. I, I can't say that at all, but... But I understand. And this is the thing about this, is when you have a, a, a movie sweep this many categories, yeah. you get a really interesting discussion at this point. Because did it deserve to win every single one of those awards? 
Next up, we get Best Actress with Charles Bronson and his wife, Jill Ireland. I don't know. Charles Bronson looks real weird. Yep. He had to cut his hair at all. We get Isabel Ajani for the story of Adele H. She was the youngest ever nominee at the time for an award. She was 20 years old. We get Anne Margaret for Tommy, Glenda Jackson for Hedda, Carol Kane for a film called Hester Street. Goff Carol Kane. It's so funny. But the winner, Louise Fletcher for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you gave it to anyone else, we riot. True. She's so good in that movie. She is good. And her speech was lovely. It was very sweet. This is the first time anyone had signed during their acceptance speech at the Oscars. And if you'll excuse me for my mother and my father, I want to say thank you for teaching me to have a dream. You are seeing my dream come true. Thank you. And it's lovely. We we talked about the whole thing where she her, she had deaf parents. She was intended for the role for Nashville because mm-hmm. of that, and yeah. so many things. It's a wonderful moment. She's clearly emotional in it too. Yeah, I know. That. It's really cool. And yeah, very cool. Then we have best actor. We don't get to see his bit, which is a shame. We mm-hmm. just see Art Carney shouting out actor names. Mm-hmm. Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Art Carney's amazing. So anyway. The nominations are Walter Matthau for The Sunshine Boys, Al Pacino for Dark Day Afternoon, who isn't there, and probably rightfully so, because I think he was having a nervous breakdown after this movie. Yeah. Maximilian Schell for The Man in the Glass Booth, James Whitmore for Give Him Hell Harry, Hmm. and the winner is Jack Nicholson Nicholson for Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. Sitting next to the very lovely Angelica Houston. Holy shit. So amazing. I mean, she looks amazing all the time, but I was just like, holy fuck. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I just, yeah. Angelica Houston has never not looked amazing. I know, it's just insane. Somebody somebody posted a picture of her in, like, writing gear the other day, and it was like, oh my god. And it was 1983. Had never seen those pictures, so it's like, whoa. This is not fair. <laughs> so Jack gets up there and gives the fun speech of the night. Mm-hmm. First of all, he does a little back and forth with Art Carney, yep. which is super fun. It's very cute. He thanks everybody on the production, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. and, and thanks the cast, the Thieves Brigade, he calls them. But then Mary Pickford had won a Legacy Award. Mm-hmm. Mary Pickford was one of the original members of United Artists, mm-hmm. along with Charlie Chaplin and all them. So Jack thanks Mary Pickford. And uh, I'd like to thank Miss Pickford, who incidentally, uh, I believe, was the first uh, actor to get a percentage of her pictures. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> to which he kind of mutters it into the microphone and everybody laughs. Because they knew that, that he had just made he, he just made a fuck ton of money because he made a gamble. Nobody else thought this movie could really be done. Well, here's the thing. A lot you've heard so many actors and directors and producers now and writers have just been like, okay, I really believe in this project. I'm gonna take a gamble. And it has paid the fuck off. It did for Jack, for sure. Jack has paid several directors that we've talked about on this very podcast. That that ability alone and just being like, I'm taking the gamble has worked very well. And we talked about this with, with him because he makes the next joke of... And speaking of a percentage, last but not least, my agent who uh, about 10 years ago advised me that I had no business being an actor. Thank you. 
Yep. Which here's the thing. For the longest time, he struggled he as just this kind of two-bit B-movie actor and really only found success when he joined up with Bob Raffleson and produced shit. Yeah, he had to make his own way. He had to cast himself in shit. He did. And when he did that, people saw, oh, okay, he's that good. Yeah. And he's he's finishing off a three-year run. Mm-hmm. He's nominated three years in a row yep. for three very good movies. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he's getting a nice last laugh right up here. Yep. And finally, we get Best Picture, and we introduce Audrey Hepburn. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. We have nominated Barry Lyndon Barf. Yep. Why did this get nominated for Best Picture? Because it did. Dog Day Afternoon. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Jaws. Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Nashville. Okay. I roll, but we get it. We get it. We've talked about it. We understand. The winner. One flew over, over the cuckoo's nest. nest. And this is where we have a discussion. Okay. Is this movie better or is Jaws better? It's such a 1A, 1B question. Do not get me wrong. It is a 1A, 1B question. But gut reaction, which one do you think is better? I think the better film is Jaws. Wow. All right. I'm going to go with Jaws as well. I think it's a better story, soup to nuts. Jaws is timeless. And you can get very philosophical about Jaws. You can. You don't have to. You can literally. (laughs) Here's the thing. It's, It's the Moby Dick of it. Really? It's like, oh, you can be, make it all be about this. The whale is just whatever that's chasing you in life. Like, or it can be a big fucking shark. That's it. it. It can either be a shark or it can be whatever the fuck you need it to be at the moment. So I love that. It is also very funny. It gets in. It gets out. It's very suspenseful. It creeped me the fuck out. It's, I'm here for it. I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think it's an amazing I film. I thought it was a great movie there. I mean, I still critiqued it because that's what I do. Yeah. And I understand why it won. And if this would have been our 1A, 1B, and I probably would have put Cuckoo's Nest as 1A, knowing mm. how the Academy works. Yeah. Just with this year. Yeah, I still probably know. I probably know where I'm at with it. <laughs> I need to I need to look because I, I feel like I've got two or three that I'm like, these are the ones that I know and I've got to decide between them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. But it is really interesting. For me, the the whole thing, you're right. It's Jaws is as deep or as shallow as you want it to be. Pun not intended, but but appreciated. But intended. (laughs) And Jaws, Jaws outlasts things to a certain degree, whereas Cuckoo's Nest, there are certain aspects about it that do not hold up today. There's a lot about it that does, though. True. I mean. And it's also just really difficult. It's a really difficult movie. And that didn't bother me. No. It's just, it doesn't hold up the same way. It just not doesn't. the same way. It just doesn't. I do think it's a shame Spielberg was not nominated for director. I think the amount of shit he had to go through with that film, I understand he was not the sole reason for its success, mm-hmm. but the fact that somebody like Federico Fellini is in best director in that category mm-hmm. and not sure. Spielberg for the sheer amount of shit he sure. pulled through, like... Yeah. He, he earned a nomination for that film. I'm not crying any tears over the sob story of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> he he won plenty later. But it, it is one of those things where you look at that and go, oh, no, nah, you, should, you should have been in there thinking about that movie. I can see how it could feel like a snub, but yeah. I mean, I'd pick him over what's his butt any day. Stanley Kubrick? Yeah, that dude. That the dude. little demon spawn that we never have to talk about for this show. Again. We only talk about him in, in reverent tones where we complain and we talk about our Kubrick rule. Yeah, that's true. We do. Rule. 
And that makes it a clean sweep for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It it did it. One of only three films. Michael Douglas references it in his acceptance speech. It happened one night from 1934 was the only film to have done it previously. The only film to do it since is The Silence of the Lambs from 1991. So that means they got best picture, best writing, either original or adapted. Yep. Actor and actress. And best best director. director. So they you got to get the five. Yep. Yep. And that concludes the 1976 Oscars. What a terrible year for movies. Yeah. Like, um, okay, not not terrible, but a very mixed bag. But like, for such highly regarded. Okay, but you know what's really funny is it really perfectly mirrors this year's Oscars. (laughs) Like when I really think about, okay, like I would, I'm gonna argue that the films we've had to watch for the 2000. 21 Oscar slate, the 93rd Oscars, phenomenally better <laughs> by a lot. The quality is so much higher. By a lot. Borat alone is better than all of this shit. <laughs> all of this shit. Uh, it's not better than Cuckoo's Nest. So. Mm, I, w- I would watch Borat before I would watch that. Well, yeah. And I'm Borat's talking- also not better than Sunshine Boys. Okay, that's where you got me. Yeah. But... <laughs> and I'm talking about Borat subsequent movie film. Absolutely, yes. Borat subsequent, subsequent movie, movie film. film. Uh, make bribe for glorious benefit of nation of Kazakhstan. Uh, yeah. First one sucks. Second one amazing. That's what I found really interesting as we were going through. Is I was like, us doing 75 really mirrored 2020. <laughs> it really did. 45 years later, similar circumstances. Explain yourself. So, well, it's just the, the films are so dispersed. This is very true. And the subject weird. matter is very different. There's not like a, a, a through line theme. There's uh, no. There's a high end and a low end in terms of budget. Yeah, definitely. Across true. the board, there is super big name talent and some unknown like little name talent. It's just wide open and it could really go to anybody. It's It's interesting. It's weird. And it's just this year was such style over substance in almost every situation. And I, I feel like this year it's trying, it's doing, it's something different where it's not the big bombastic films. It's more of like we're going to make smaller, beautiful films. We want to get at the heart of an issue mm-hmm. by trying to drill into that as much as we can. Yeah. With, with a c- couple of notable exceptions. Sure. But definitely the theme has been. We want to tell a very intimate story so that you actually connect with these characters and from there, maybe change your mind. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to have a year where there are no real technical contenders. This year, for sure. We don't have it. We don't have any Star Wars. We don't really have any Marvel. We don't have any of that shit. And it's weird. And I'm not mad about it. It's just fucking weird. I can't wait to see what those other special effects pulls are because I know nothing about those movies. True, but I really do hope, when we've talked about this, I hope this this helps those guilds pull out to have more awards for those those types of films. It's about fucking time. Uh, we need stunt choreography. Stunt performers need to have an award. Choreography needs to have an award. We need that type of shit. Like, that's... In every one of those types of films, and that SAG be. needs to get over its motion capture rules. Well, we we should we can have a motion capture performance. Maybe there they have enough footage of of the actors in the motion capture that they can use that as part of the submission. They just have to just define what it what are the rules. 
if the face mapping was not used for the character that appears on screen, then we're not going to use it. You have like you, it has to be a part of it. Fine. Do are they providing the voice? That has to be a part. Whatever, whatever you want to do, figure it out. But the motion capture has to be become a thing. Andy Circus has deserved like at least two nominations at this point. I'm not saying he deserves an award. He should get a special recognition for his contributions to film. Like I, he's gonna get something like that at some oh, point. Oh, absolutely. Because he's helped create all of this. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just that stuff. I mean, the vocal performance for voice acting, which um, we have to brag on our child. Uh, she has to do a project at school, and that's what she's doing her project on. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did not help her come across that. She's just listened to us complain about it. Our, our evening arguments about all this must be filtering to her. Hmm. She's heard some things over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Nagging works. So. But, yeah, it. It yeah, it's it'll be interesting how this plays out. So I'm sorry for making you watch Dan the Kubrick. You're not sorry at all. And Day the Locust. You're not sorry at all. I'm kind of sorry. That w- here's the thing. I didn't want to show it to you in our original run of stuff. And the only reason we had to do it was because I went, oh god, it was nominated for everything. <laughs> but before we get out of here today, let's talk about some new movies we've seen. New movies. <laughs> So today we watched The Father. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. I was actually surprised by how much I like this. It takes a turn rather quickly. Which was good. Because you're expecting one of those kinds of movies we've seen over the past few years where it's, it's like, just it's sad just, family family drama. has to deal with the sadness of you know their you know this, your father's got dementia you yeah. know it's just sad that's not this movie no and it it does this wonderful little left turn that's not exploitive no it's not exploitive and it's a little bit of an onion that it does this thing and then it does it again and it reveals itself more to you and it's it's almost like a horror film it's not yeah. it is not but i will say this it is presenting itself to you through the mind of the father yeah which is what is somewhat terrifying and also beautiful so nominations are deserved like, I understand why Anthony Hopkins got nominated. Okay. Yeah, this is this is one of those movies that just seeing just by the poster alone, you're in the marketing, you judge it as the thing we've seen for so long. Mm-hmm. But man, I was really captivated. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite or my front runner at all. No, not at all. But it was but it I'm was unexpected. S- but I'm so glad it got nominated because I probably never would have sat down and watched it. Based based on the trailer, we would have never gone to see this in the theater. Yeah. All right. Next, we watched Another Round. Four friends, all high school teachers, test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. All right. So this is a foreign film. <laughs> the only reason it got on our list was because Thomas Vinterberg was nominated for Best Director. Mm-hmm. 
And because the, the, the pool of movies was so small, like, okay, let's make sure we get this one. And this movie was awesome. I think this is my favorite movie of the year. Not saying it's necessarily the best, but I think it's my favorite because, wow. It was, it's one that I know will stick with me for a while. It's a movie that we got done and I'm like, out of all of these movies, this is the one I want to watch again. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, maybe. We've just a little behind the scenes. We've watched a lot of movies this week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is the one that was the least depressing <laughs> while still being depressing. Yeah. But just Mads Mikkelsen is amazing in this film. And he's the one where we're just like, man, I wish he had gotten nominated for this because this is so different from him. He's usually playing a bad guy. <laughs> and in American films, he's usually a bad guy. And in, in Denmark, this is much more close to the characters he plays. And it was it was interesting. And uh, this this is a good film. So it's definitely worth watching. It's available on Hulu. So go check just, it out. Just the premise alone, y'all. It's uh, worth the price of admission. It's not it's not going to win for direction, but it's a great film. Yeah. Next, we watch Pieces of a Woman. When a young mother's home birth ends in unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning. The fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. Okay, so this is a film that you, I would say you should not watch unless you know what's going to happen. Strong, strong content warnings so, for this film. So many content warnings. Um, if you don't know what's going to happen with this film, just don't watch it. There's a traumatic birth and the woman loses her child. Uh-huh. And that's the first 30 minutes of this that's movie. That's the first 30 minutes of the movie. Um, I do think they handled the birth and all everything that happens that beautifully. Nothing was exploited or excessive or um, graphic. Birth in and of itself is graphic. Like, it just is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But they didn't go nuts with that. And they didn't show anything they didn't need to. I, I've seen quotes where they, they said, you know, the only thing that we had to take liberties with is we had to compress a 12 hour labor into about 20 minutes but it's really artfully done it, it is artfully done and, and it's, i have that to say about the whole movie true it's a hard movie but it's also like it's a very feeling movie it was just one of those it was like i'm so this movie made me feel a lot it was just because i just felt sad <laughs> but that's okay it's, it's, it's okay it's okay for a movie to make you feel sad um Mostly I was mad at her mother for being a bitch and her husband for being a jackass. But husband's also played by Shia LaBeouf and he's a jackass. So that's a different issue. It's really hard to watch the movie and not be like, oh, I want to punch you. But then also just like how much it's like our world sucks. Just doesn't it doesn't is not able to help anyone, especially a mother heal from something like this happening. Yeah. Um, and so just these tiny little things that happen throughout that movie. Um, but they showed us like that just like needles, like this is why our world is fucked up. They just suck. Um, but also her story about it, like the, this the movie, like her life is still beautiful. Uh so it's a it's it's a very well done movie. Yeah. It's whew, this it is so tough. <laughs> so um Vanessa Kirby is amazing, so her nomination is very much warranted. Definitely. Um it's one of those I would not I would not be mad if she won because her performance is fabulous. I don't want her to, but but I I couldn't be mad. I couldn't be mad about it. No, I couldn't couldn't be mad about it. Next, we watched Hillbilly Elegy. An urgent phone call pulls a Yale student back to his Ohio hometown, 
where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future. <laughs> Here's, here, okay, so this movie is based on a memoir and a book, and this movie is really a why bother for me. Like, it's just like I've seen this story so many other times done much better. I think some of the most interesting criticism I've seen on this movie is that you don't need to know about the book. Like, and, and the book is a whole saga of being angry. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the book is the author J.D. Vance recounting this really harrowing life story that he sure. dealt with. And then flattening all of the experience of the opiate epidemic mm-hmm. and the South and the Midwest to his story. He just takes it and says, this is how it is. and you have to take personal responsibility for your life. This movie uh-huh. is so bland yeah, because it strips any of that out. Like well, if it at least did that, I would be mad at the movie, yeah. but at least it would have a point of view. Yeah, and that and that point of view in and of itself is just, well, you're a white cis male. Oh, so yeah. of course you got out. You got out by going to the military, which is a whole thing in and of itself. And well, let's also not pretend that there's not an aspect that this gentleman is now uh, eyeing the Ohio Senate seat that is going to become available. Uh, so it's, it's a whole there's a lot of political bullshit, but the movie itself is so bland. And there is a story here where it's like I came from such a toxic place and the people who raised me had come from such a toxic place. And I had to pull myself out of that to make myself into someone. We've seen that story a million times. The problem is the story is not interesting or compelling, and it doesn't look back at these people. Like the character of JD isn't really looking back and being like lovingly, or it's not like as a child I looked at my mom lovingly, and but now as adults, like my mom was horrible. Like there's just, just like it's not like there's this examination happening where it's like, but oh, I'm I'm now as an adult, I'm mad at her because she was clearly an addict. But now as a grown adult, I realize that because she's an addict, she couldn't do these things. And so I have to forgive her. Like there's no there's no reflection here that makes this story on film matter. And in a year in which we have a slate of movies that have not only taken a strong point of view, but their objective is to actually question the deeper motivations behind the tough subject matter that's going on in their films or when it comes to reflection is more serious reflection deep introspection deep deep introspection this is such a shallow movie exactly for such a depth of year and again it didn't get nominated for anything but makeup and supporting actress and and glenn close it might win for makeup glenn close ain't winning Uh, Uh, i think glenn close might win I, I don't think she's the best. I gotta look at that category again. But let's, I just need to point out that she also got nominated for Razzie for this role as well. <laughs> so, yeah, well, a little bit interesting. I, yeah. It's just, it's a lot. It's worse than just a bad movie because there's no level of just like, what a fucking wackadoo movie. No, it's just horribly boring. It's dull. It's just dull. <sighs> Ron and- Howard, stop making these movies. Well, that's his type of movie. Go back. To, go make more Apollo 13s. Come on. Go make more Apollo 13s. Those are fun. I like that movie. Next, we watched The United States versus Billie Holiday. Follows Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by Black Federal Agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. 
This movie is such a waste. There's so many people trying so hard, so much effort put into a movie that doesn't accomplish anything. Like, Andre Day is trying really hard, but it's for nothing. And so much of this movie is just for not. It, it's it's such a waste. This movie is so bad. It is so incredibly bad. Somebody pointed out that they never found any sort of through line or connection point, and that yes, there are some very riveting and strong performances, but it's not enough to make up for what is essentially just a series of vignettes that don't actually tell Billy's story. Well, and the thing is, they're really is a through point when you start the movie that's through this framework of this interview with uh reginald something but it's played by leslie jordan who's a phenomenal actor whose whose performance is also wasted because they're there for like two seconds yeah but like this is clearly supposed to be a pivotal interview but we get almost nothing of it and that should have been the back and forth in which we see these glimpses of her life that inform the reasoning behind why she continues to defy the United States by by singing this song that they're so offended by, which we never really get. And then when we do get her singing the song Strange Fruit, it's a horrible performance. It's it's not well done. It's not riveting or emotional. I don't think it's a beautiful performance. It's a horrifying song. I understand that. It's not supposed to be. I get it. But there is nothing about that performance that makes me go, wow, this is a beautiful performance. Well, for me, it's that you would have never gotten the chance anyway, right? Because they've done nothing with this movie up until that point to give you a crescendo for that moment. Exactly. But here's the thing. That's what that should have, that's what this movie should have been. It should have been about what that song meant. And that's when we finally get the full performance. Because it should have been this onion of unpacking the song how did she get this song she didn't write it someone else wrote it and she kept singing it so that's another piece of this puzzle that we never get and that's part of it well and and i i think that that's actually one of the biggest mistakes of the movie is framing it around strange fruit strange fruit isn't is billy holiday's song sure but i think that's a mistake because the story that they're trying to tell is the u.s government going after billy holiday for 25 years Mm -hmm. over heroin, which she struggled with an addiction over. But that's the story, not this song. True. But if they wanted to make it about the song, that's how you do it. They didn't pick, and that's why this movie is a fucking disaster. They didn't pick, and then they made everything heroin hallucinations and then very gratuitous sex. And it's just unnecessary. And I'm like, why am I watching this? And it's sad because Audrey Day is a lovely performer. She truly is, but it's she, a waste. And it's, she really does encapsulate Billie Holiday. But this is a waste. Yeah. This is a waste of a film, and it's just a waste of this woman's story. Yeah. That's where I'm mad about this movie. We almost didn't finish watching it because we were <laughs> we were so bored and so mad. It's like, I've seen enough to understand why they nominated this, but this is a waste. From top to bottom, this is a waste. It's one of those cases of there is a really stellar performance in a really crappy movie. Yeah. And that's why she got nominated. Yeah. And so I don't I don't discount her nomination at all because it is a strong performance from my point of view. But I really had to disconnect that performance from the rest of the movie in order to get there for myself. I don't know. It's not winning. I don't know. It's definitely not. 
if it wins, I'm I will be mad. I will be furious if this wins. But maybe let Andre Day do just a nice, wonderful tribute to Billie Holiday at the Oscars. Maybe let that happen. That would be fine. To make up for this bullshit. Yeah, there is no making up for this bullshit. But let's wrap up on a really positive note. On a wonderful surprise, finally, we watched The White Tiger. An ambitious Indian driver uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and rise to the top. An epic journey based on the New York Times bestseller. Okay, so this is one that we just watched because it was nominated for writing. And we the pool is small this year. We wanted to make sure we got them all and it was on Netflix. So we could. It was really easy. And oh my God. <laughs> like the trailer is is okay. The trailer's not bad. This film is amazing. It is the anti-Slumdog Millionaire, literally at some it, point. It really is. It, it does kind of knock that film a couple times in the best way. And 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 Slumdog was a fabulous movie. Yeah. Um, it's but, a Bollywood romance. Like it's it's great. But it's that was 10 years ago. So this film is so, so good. There is a definite reason it got nominated for adapted screenplay. I don't think it's gonna win, but it totally deserves the recognition. Uh, we were so surprised by this movie because it was so good. It's exquisitely written. It it is. It, the, re- it really is. The performances are very good. In fact, we talk about some of the people we wish had got nominated. There's a couple of actors in here who I'm like, please, please nominate them. Well, I hope they get more work. I do. I really do hope they get more work. Uh, Priyanka Chopra is in this film. She's also an executive producer. So that's really neat. Um, it's it's a really great film. So it's on Netflix. So it's really accessible. Please go watch this movie. The right. I mean, it's just. It is not what you think it is. Watch the trailer. And then if you get excited about that, realize it's going to twist and turn in about seven different directions. Yeah, it is. It is a very, it is a little bit hard, but not in an overly depressing way. It's really interesting. Go uh, watch it. It it was a it was so surprising and fun. And that's everything. That's everything. We have watched all the best picture, all of the performances, every single performance nomination we have watched, all of the writing um, we have watched. So the only films we have not seen are the shorts, the foreign, and um, a few of the technical. Everything else we've seen. And this year, the animated features. We never see the animated features. We've so, seen sometimes we've, we like to. But. We've well, we've seen half of one and one of the other. <laughs> we've, we've seen all of Onward because that was literally the last film we saw in the theater, and we've seen half of of Soul. Yeah, that's it. <sighs> yeah. Maybe somebody else interesting will win. Wolfwalkers is on F- Apple TV. So. That's true. We could go watch that. All right. Well, this is coming at the end of this series. So uh, we stay tuned for our coverage of the song nominations as well as our Oscar picks. And until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.